Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Bull, Director of Public Affairs. Last week we had the Farm Bill pass the House Agriculture Committee. We have quite a bit going on in the state capitol as we wind down towards the end of session. So let's get started. B.J. Tanksley is our Director of State Legislative Programs. And B.J., we're getting close to the end of session here. We have, what, three or four weeks left or so, and um, things are starting to actually uh, pick up some steam. wanted to get into a handful of the topics that are really um, still have some momentum as we get close to the end of the legislative session. Uh, the first one of those is the pesticide bill. There have been some proposals to make some changes to the registration uh, fees on that. What are we seeing there? Yeah. Um, when we talk to the Missouri Department of Agriculture, looking at the pesticide program, they're, uh, they're seeing that in the next few years, they're going to need some additional funds to continue that program at the level of service it has been giving to all of agriculture and the other uh, parts the department serves. Um, so they kind of talk to the legislature about um, the issue of funding and how we can address that. Um, there were some. There were a couple of bills floated to try to uh, try to address that in a particular way. Um, once looking at some of the issues and looking deeper into the funding shortfalls, um, the legislature seems to be headed in the direction of a task force to convene over the summer to study that. Um, so I think uh, in the next few weeks we'll probably see some more of the details on that. But it looks like uh, we'll probably have a task force which will include members of the House and the Senate. Um, I think they'll have at least two, maybe three hearings. Um, where they where they go around and get some of the details of what is going on here, what's caused the funding shortfall, and what would be the best measures to um, to try to address that. So to try to stay fair as to uh, where the funding's going is where the funding should come from. Um, so I think it's a I think it's a good idea. It's a good compromise at this point, rather than um, just increasing one fee or fees across the board to try to take a deeper dive into it. Uh, so this will allow the legislature to really take that opportunity. Um, take their time, and then come back next year with some recommendations of how do we address this and make sure that the department and that um, that part of the department is on solid ground for years to come. So Missouri Farm Bureau looks forward to working with legislatures through that process. Um, obviously, we'll be looking out for our member growers and making sure that we uh, have the funding available to have uh, the continued level of support that we've always seen from the Department of Agriculture. And was this one of the things that came to, came to light with the whole uh, dicamba situation, realizing that there wasn't enough uh, funding for for uh, the department to enforce the rules? Well, um, we definitely saw increased cost on the department because of the investigations with um, the volatilization we saw over the last years or yeah, year or two. Um, so there, there was increased cost of that. But to be fair, um, the funding, when this funding, the current funding mechanism was set up, it was, it was told back then that this was about a 10-year funding mm -hmm. um, scheme, um, and not that that shouldn't sound negative, but the way this funding was would last the department for about 10 years, and we're at year eight or nine at this point. Mm -hmm. So really, there was an idea that this funding would run out if this was the current at the current levels. Um, so although we did see increased costs because of the extra um, investigations and the work the department had to do through those, um, this issue would have come eventually anyway. We kind of saw it coming. Sure. Um, then there's a, a bill that's been uh, going back and forth a little bit with the 
relating to the water law in the state. What are we going to see happening on that? Yeah, this week we see um, a hearing in the Senate. Um, actually, this afternoon I'll be headed there shortly, um, where we're hearing um, House Bill 1973 to uh, clarify Missouri clean water law and how it works with Missouri agriculture. Um, the the work that we're seeing there is just to clarify that um, agriculture, stormwater runoff, and irrigation and irrigation return flows are exempt from the permitting requirements of the clean water law unless they enter water of the state and cause it to become harmful. So mm-hmm. if there's no bad happening, um, we're all in good standing. It really won't change the way things are done on the countryside. It just makes sure that Missouri Department of, uh, of Natural Resources um, knows, you know, kind of where agriculture stands, that if we're causing harm, sure, we should be we should be permitted and regulated as much as anything. Um, but that as long as it's not, um, we don't need that extra red tape or burdensome regulation mm-hmm. um, for those that are just regular, regular farmers out there not causing harm. So. And, and like you say, that's not an actual change to the law. That's really more codifying a clarification of what the law already has been. That's exactly right. Okay. I don't think anybody would say that this is changing the daily operations of any agriculture or the Department of Natural Resources, but clarifying where we stand on that. Okay. What about the working animals bill that's been working uh, its way through the legislature? Yeah. Some of us, uh, some of our members that may have been watching the news may have seen ourselves mentioned with the uh, working animal bills that came up last week. Um, there's been an effort on both the House and Senate side to address this issue. Um, some municipalities have been trying to put regulations on the use of working animals. Oftentimes when they do that, they're looking at circuses or carriage ride industries or things like that. And Missouri Farm Bureau wants to make sure that we're protecting those industries. The use of working animals, whether it be on a farm for entertainment or for transportation, that we want to make sure that that opportunity is still available. Um, So we're working with legislators and actually we'll see that come up um, tomorrow in the House Agriculture Policy Hearing to try to come to compromise language that addresses the needs of those that utilize working animals, um, while at the same time allowing cities to be able to regulate to make sure people are acting safely. Um, you probably don't need to be on the interstates during rush hour and things <laughs> like that, running the carriages, but mm-hmm. I doubt that's a real popular time for it anyway. <laughs> um, so uh, we want to make sure that you're not regulating them out of business, but at the same time able to uh, put some reasonable regulations in place. Sure. Um, and then lastly, the broadband uh, fund that we've been we've been watching how that's progressing where do you think that's going to end up by the end of it yeah, well, um, it's always dangerous to try to predict at this point. We <laughs> still right, have yeah. we still have a few weeks left. But I will say um, last week we saw um, the bill voted out of the Senate Commerce Committee, so it's passed the House. It's now passed the Senate Committee. It just needs to go to the Senate floor for debate. Um, and I will let everyone know we're, we're behind the scenes. We're working together with the interested groups to try to come to a bill that works for everybody. You know, we won't have any broadband if we don't have providers. The truth is, is those providers are the ones that bring the Internet, so we have to make sure it's a bill that works for them, but also works for the citizens of the state. And so we've been working with everybody on board to try to um, do our two main goals, which is bring quality internet to as many Missourians as possible while staying provider and technology neutral. And I think we're getting really close to that. Um, We've seen some new language over the weekend that I think gets us awfully close. Um, And uh, Senator Hegeman in the Senate has made a a commitment to try to get that done as long as we all work together towards a bill that everybody can somewhat agree with. So I think we're getting really close on that. In these last few weeks, you never know how things are going to end up. Um, And with the extracurriculars going on, (laughs) uh, this session is is no different. But I, I do think Think we're getting close on that. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of good work on that in the last few weeks. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, appreciate your time, BJ. Hey, thanks a lot.
Spencer Tuma is our Director of National Legislative Programs, and last week was a pretty exciting week for you because we were able to get started, at least, with the Farm Bill in uh, in Congress. It made its way through the House Ag Committee, um, but it wasn't exactly what we were hoping for because um, things went a little bit differently than normal. What did we... Uh, what did we encounter when it uh, it came out? It came into committee. Sure. So the House Ag Committee did hold their markup of the draft of the Farm Bill last Wednesday. Um, in the past, and this is my first Farm Bill working through Farm Bureau, so I have a little bit, I guess, different perspective. I don't have a lot of the institutional knowledge, maybe that others would have. But in past Farm Bill markups, the committee process has taken several, several hours to complete. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of amendments offered by the majority party and the minority party. Because the farm bill generally is a pretty bipartisan bill, so the thought process is to try to get all of those changes done in committee so that when the bill comes to the House floor, you really have a fairly unified committee on those different issues. Mm -hmm. Um, This year, I know we've discussed in past episodes, there has been quite a bit more partisanship, especially after the majority party, the Republicans, made some changes to the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, the SNAP program, um, that's... Uh, really ruffled some feathers in the minority yeah. party. And, and so, therefore, when they got the bill into committee, there were no amendments offered by the Democrats, and there were just very limited number of amendments offered by the Republicans. And the committee markup only took about five hours. So, yeah. And um, I think in past hours, it's gone until, like, you know, three in the morning or right. something. It was really all, all day and all night. So I think that makes all of us who are involved in ag policy a little bit hesitant about what's going to happen when the bill actually comes to the House floor, mm-hmm. which is hopefully going to be in May because um, there could be some pretty harmful amendments offered. And it would have been nice to have those taken care of in the committee <laughs> process, but yes. we will see how it goes. Well, and it, this is not a not a real surprise based on mm-hmm. what we've been hearing for many months. If you really you know, paying attention to what the principals were saying, um, the uh, actually when we when we talked in December with Colin Peterson, who's the ranking member of the Ag Committee, meaning he's the the top Democrat on the committee, um, he came and spoke to our annual meeting and spoke to us on our podcast then, and he said um, that actually I believe it was at the Farm Bill Forum mm-hmm. that you helped organize um, at the uh, at annual meeting. He said that if there are these changes to SNAP to the food stamp program that that would probably be a poison pill. It would sink the ship. Mm-hmm. And um, he just thinks that that's a, a no-go zone for his uh, caucus. And turned out that that's what the Republican Party attempted to put into the bill and, and was successful in putting that in the draft. And from his perspective, that did sink the ship um, of the farm bill. It made it have absolutely no support from the left. So right. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as it goes on to the House floor. Yes. So it did come. It was reported by the committee as due pass. So that means it's been approved by the committee and now goes to the next step. Uh, That was reported on a party line vote of 26 to 20. So Mm -hmm. you had all Republicans voting in favor and all Democrats voting against even the ranking member, as you said. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what happens when the bill is scheduled for the House floor. Uh, Speaker Paul Ryan is now kind of in a lame duck session. So he has uh, really put the farm bill as part of the uh, Republican welfare reform agenda, and mm-hmm. that has drawn a lot of cri- criticisms from minority leader Nancy Pelosi as well. So the battle lines have been drawn. Um, we're still waiting to see what the Senate does. I anticipate that the Senate version of the bill will be much more bipartisan. Of course, they have to reach 60 votes in the Senate. They don't mm-hmm. just need a simple majority. Um, so I, I would anticipate a lot of the bipartisan work will be done there. But then, of course, if we can get it through the House and get it through the Senate, it all really comes down to that conference committee at the end. 
end. Sure. And it definitely is a little bit nerve wracking to see the bill being um, portrayed at, by the by the speaker mm-hmm. as the vehicle for welfare reform. It, it really turns it into a political football yeah. um, rather than a, a bipartisan um, meshing together of several dis- different interests. Mm-hmm. So um, it definitely will be a little challenging to make that actually occur, but hopefully we can get that done right. um, before the before political season really takes over. That's true. One thing we were really pleased to see in the farm bill process, and um, I, I really do, I said this a couple of weeks ago and I really believe it, I think we talk about broadband every episode of the <laughs> podcast. So Just I know you, t- you talked about it with BJ a little bit um, in the earlier section, but um, there was some broadband provisions offered as amendments in the committee markup. Mm-hmm. In our deep dive into the farm bill last week, we talked about how the original farm bill text did not sit any set, excuse me, any minimum speed for deployment of broadband technologies right. that were funded through federal programs, so like loans and grants. Um, Representative Hartzler is, of course, the only Missourian on the House Ag Committee. She offered an amendment as part of a amendment package that was supported by Chairman Mike Conaway in committee. And what that would do is it would set a minimum, basically a floor for broadband deployment of 25 megabytes megabits per second download speed, three megabits per second upload speed mm-hmm. to really ensure that those federal dollars are invested in the technology of the future and not in something that's going to be outdated within the next year or so. Yeah. And then the the secretary would have some discretion, though, uh-huh. to raise that from the floor to a higher number if technology um, required that. Right. So it still gives the secretary the discretion to set those broadband speeds. He would just not be able, he or she in mm-hmm. the future, uh, potentially would not be able to set that any lower than sure. the 25 to 3 threshold, which is what the FCC actually defines as being adequately served by okay. broadband. And that that's the secretary of agriculture, to be yes. clear. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. Okay, great. Um, and then... Aside from, uh, well, actually, I guess we should also mention, since Congresswoman Hartzler is the only Missourian on the mm-hmm. committee, she voted in which direction? She voted in favor of sending the bill out of committee to the House floor. All right. Good to know. Yep. Um, so outside of the farm bill, we also have a lot going on, as we have for several weeks now with trade. Yes. Uh, what is the, what's the latest update on that? So currently, um, we are a lot, trade and the farm bill are taking up a lot of time on my desk, yes. as you can probably tell. Sure. Um, so a couple different updates on trade. So one, um, I have been hearing some positive things about the NAFTA renegotiations. There's been a lot of positive messaging coming out of the administration recently regarding NAFTA, uh, even to go so far as to say that we may have a deal on NAFTA by the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, we went through a little bit of a period of time where we were concerned about the future of NAFTA. Um, I don't want to say that those days are completely behind us because we're still monitoring the renegotiations, but things are looking much more positive in, in that arena. Um, but no details on what specifically will be um, potentially altered just yet. Um, so we're going to be keeping an eye on that. In addition, you know, we've had a lot of Uh, issues with China, of course, and there is currently a comment period open to Mm -hmm. the United States Trade Representative uh, where citizens and advocates can go online and make comments to USTR about potentially entering a situation with China where tariffs, a tit-for-tat, if Mm -hmm. you will, trade war could be 
could be on the horizon for agriculture. So um, keep your email inboxes open. Keep an eye on that later this week. We are going to be sending out an action alert so Mm -hmm. people can actually take action from their smartphone or from their computer. We have a message preloaded in there talking about our concerns with a trade war with China and encouraging USTR to work towards a solution that benefits both countries while addressing our issues with intellectual property but keeping us out of a tariff um, situation with China. So um, I hope to have that out a little bit later this week. And if you have any questions about how to take action, please get in touch with us here at the Home Office. We'd be happy to help you. Sure. And if you aren't already signed up for that Action Alert uh, email system, then you can go to mofb.org. And on the left-hand side, on the left-hand column, there is uh, an Action Alert, Action Center um, logo that you can click on and sign up and it really takes you about 30 seconds to sign up. Yes, it's very easy to do. So we're um, hoping that we will have a lot of people take action. So we're looking forward to it. Sounds good. Appreciate your work. Thank you. No problem. We'll see you next week. Leslie Holloway is our Director of Regulatory Affairs and you've been dealing with quite a bit on flood management and water management. Uh, there's a, a couple things that we've discussed a, a little bit in the past that have seen a little bit of additional action. One regarding uh, outflows coming from the Lake of the Ozarks. What have what's been developing with that? Well, it's been uh, interesting. The um, some of the landowners who had actually wanted to pursue some of their cur- concerns with the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission actually put their concerns in writing, sent the letter uh, to the commission, and also copied their elected officials on that letter. And Senator Blunt's office was instrumental in getting a written response to those landowners in regard to their concerns. And then the um, commission uh, staff actually contacted these landowners and scheduled um, a conference call, which I was able to participate in last week. And it's, um, it was not a situation where the landowners heard exactly what they wanted to hear, mm-hmm. but um, an opportunity at least to have an actual live discussion mm-hmm. with the officials who are directly involved in that permitting process involving Ameren and the, the dam at the Lake of the Ozarks and mm-hmm. how that's affecting their farming operations. Well, that's good. And FERC is, uh, is based in Washington, D.C., but they deal with people all across the country. So sometimes it feels like they um, and this has happened at the lake before, the Lake of the Ozarks, that they've felt a little bit out of touch with what's going on on the local level. But it sounds like they've been a little bit more responsive lately. Yeah, yeah, they do seem to be. And, you know, they do have limits uh, on their jurisdiction, and, and um, we have to recognize that, which is the case for all of our state and federal uh, agencies. There are things that they are charged with overseeing, and then there are things that they cannot get involved in. And sometimes that's... Um, little bit uh, frustrating for Mm -hmm. us as well as for landowners that you think that you should be able to coordinate activities between agencies and and get something done and it it just takes a lot longer than than we'd like it to but this uh, kind of communication we think is is a good step Um, from our side we have met individually with the other state and federal agencies that are involved in this process Department of Conservation Department of Natural Resources at the federal level, Fish and Wildlife Service and Corps of Engineers, um, Department of Conservation. I mentioned conservation, mm-hmm. but at any rate, um, so those are the agencies that we will continue to work with as we try to resolve some of these concerns, which um, address both stream bank stabilization uh, as well as access to islands that these landowners actually farm mm-hmm. when they can 
get to them. And sure. that's always the, the difficulty is yeah. ensuring that they have access. Yeah, great. Um, and then there have been some other places where we've been working uh, with uh, some counties that are going through the re remapping process. I'm not sure if that's the right thing to call it, but uh, trying to re reevaluate what is in a floodplain and what is not. Yes, and the uh, Federal Emergency Management Agency oversees this this proje- process nationwide. So it's the state emergency management agency that actually ends up um, communicating with the uh, local communities, county governments, and and city officials and and municipalities about the process of what uh, areas within the county or the city are actually considered within the floodplain. And, of course, that impacts um, the standards to which buildings uh, need to be uh, mm-hmm. constructed, um, as well as availability of insurance coverage. And um, what we're seeing right now, we, we had some uh, landowners come in last week and talk to us about a situation where there may actually be some land that's currently designated as floodplain that is proposed to be designated as floodway, Mm. which puts even more stringent um, restrictions on how that land can be used. And, of course, that's all very uh, rich farm ground in that area. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of concern about what that might lead to. Yeah, absolutely. That can really make a big difference on if you can be profitable and and if you can get a loan on property. And um, like you say, uh, if you're qualified for insurance and um, different levels of insurance. So um, we've seen a lot of counties, a lot of localities who have who have gone through that process. Mm-hmm. And some of them, you know, actually one that I saw a few years ago uh, had a changeover in uh, some of the administration in the county right when they were getting the letters that they were supposed to respond to within 30 days. And they didn't go out. They, got, they just sat on somebody's desk in the pile of mail uh, that had been accumulating as someone was switching out of one job and into another. And that just made the whole county, you know, completely out of luck. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- these things can be extremely important to people um, and something to not take lightly. No, it, it's a complicated process. And we know that the resources at the local levels are uh, certainly no better and usually far less than at the state or the federal level. So, yeah, it's it's a process that is difficult to track, but it's an important one. Absolutely. Well, appreciate your expertise tracking those as well and helping out the counties that are going through it, uh, it can can be very important to our members. So uh, I know that that is something they appreciate. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us this week. We're going to keep an eye on all these issues as we wind down towards the end of session. Should be a very uh, adventurous sprint to the finish here in Jefferson City and a lot going on in the nation's capital on ag policy. As you heard today, we do have a lot to watch with the tariff situation and it seems to be changing every day. So keep on listening every week here on Digging In. Thanks for joining us.